0: So I want to ask you this morning, what's the weirdest gift that you've ever been given? The weirdest gift. I've got some pretty weird gifts in my time. Um, When my kids were young, when they were kindy age, you get weird gifts every day, don't you? You know the kind, you know, egg cartons and (laughs) toilet rolls and tissue boxes and a whole roll of sticky tape. Uh, And it's supposed to be a dog or something like that. You know the thing, they bring it home and your house just gets filled with other people's recycling. Uh, It's a weird thing. They were some pretty weird gifts. Um, But I think definitely for me, the weirdest gift that I ever got was for Christmas, the year that Roz and I were engaged. Uh, We got engaged in August and we got married in April. So there was one Christmas in the middle. And I was pretty nervous because this was my first Christmas with my soon-to-be in-laws. You know, like, so they'd been kind of, you know, like, they have been, you know, they're your girlfriend's parents, but now they're going to be my in-laws. And we sit there for Christmas. And uh, my soon-to-be mother-in-law gives Ros and I a gift together at the same time, gives us one each and says, you've got to open these together now. Ros has an older brother and a sister who are both married. So, like, they've been through all this and we're the... We're the kind of kids in this, uh, in this room. She gives us these gifts, we open it. And my soon-to-be mother-in-law has handmade red silk nightwear for Ros and I for our honeymoon. This is absolutely the truth. These red, so I've got a pair of red silk boxer shorts with love hearts on them. Shayla's looking at me like, this actually happened to me, all right? I've got. I'm opening in front of my soon-to-be in-laws. This pair of red silk boxer shorts, and Roz has this matching red silk nighty slip thing, right? And I, I just want to speak to the men here, to married men here, right? When you go on your honeymoon, you do not want to be thinking about your mother-in-law. Do you know what I'm saying? That is just. That's the weirdest gift I've ever been given, right? Your turn, 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you. What's the weirdest gift that you've ever been given? Hey, so we're in this series that we're calling Weird Things Christians Do and we're acknowledging that weird things happen all over the place, don't they? There are weird things that happen in your family. Every workplace has their weird things. Uh, Your neighborhood or your community, I'm sure, has weird things. If you're a part of a sporting group or whatever, everyone has their weird things, things that make sense to them. But if someone from the outside walks into it, you're like, what is going on here? And churches are no different. In fact, churches maybe are, you know, the best at it. There are weird things that happen in church, things that if you've grown up in a church or if you've been in a church for a while, you just do them because that's what we do at church. But if you're new to church, you think, what is this? And of course, we're also acknowledging in this series that there are lots of things that happen in church, that even if you've been around church for a while and you do them because you're like, that's just what we do in church, deep down you kind of ask yourself, why do we do those things? I don't actually know why we do that thing at church. I know it's a thing we do at church. So in this series, we're asking ourselves those questions that generally people don't ask or maybe don't have the courage to ask. Why do we do the things that we do? Why are they so important? Um, Where do these things come from? Um, And what do they mean for us today? And so today we're going to talk about the weird thing that is giving in church. Now, I know some raised eyebrows like why does giving make the list? Because it doesn't seem that weird because everyone knows that you give in church. Even people who don't go to church know that you give in church. And in fact, for some people who don't go to church, one of the reasons they don't go to church is because you have to give in church, right? Every time I show up, someone wants me to give my money. What is that all about? You know, where else do you go? Uh, And someone kind of pressures you to give money. What's the point of giving in church, though? You know, why, why do we do it? Why do we give? Are we just trying to pay for stuff? Um, Or is there something deeper going on? Why do we give in church? If you ask most people, and, and, and maybe even some churches, maybe even most churches, why you give in church, you'll hear answers, you'll hear people say things like, giving is a demonstration of your generosity. Giving shows how generous I am. Some people might say things like, giving shows how much I love God. You know, it's like, God's so important that he's worth me giving away my money for. Or you might hear people say more spiritual things like, giving demonstrates my faith. And some of those statements might be true, but none of those statements are the real reason that there is giving built into church and giving built into the Christian faith. And, And that's because all of those statements, all of those statements are about me, All of those statements focus on me and why I'm giving and and, and kind of what I'm, you know, what I'm getting out of giving, when in reality we give in church not because of who we are but because of who God is. The Christian story of giving begins with God and it begins where all good stories begin in the beginning. Right back in the very beginning of the story of God and His people, if you open your Bible, it's in Genesis chapter one and chapter two. Uh, we in the very, literally the very first verses of your Bible story, you read that the earth is formless and empty. Or some verses, some uh, Bibles will say words like formless and desolate, or wild and waste. And out of this sort of chaos and disorder and nothingness, God speaks. And he brings life and he brings order and he creates and he creates this awesome world. But, but, but in, a, in, a, in the most crazy act of generosity, God doesn't keep that beautiful world that he's created to himself. He gives it away. He creates people and he gives the creation, the world that he's made to those people. Genesis 1 verses 28 and 29. God blessed them. Them is uh, Adam and Eve in your Bible, the, the first of humanity. God blessed them, humanity, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Can you hear the language of generosity in there? God blessed them. Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, it's all yours. Verse 29, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit in it, they will be yours for food. Creation is an act of generosity. Creation is the act of a crazy, abundantly generous God that wants to bless His creation, bless His people. But rather than accept and trust God's generosity, rather than accept and live with his gift, those first people want more. And so they take for themselves Genesis chapter three, verse six. uh, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, she took some of it and ate. And some of you might know that, that in this extraordinary garden, this extraordinary world that God created, there was, there was just one tree in the middle. That God, God said, you can have all of this, but just don't touch that one tree. And of course, that's just straight where the woman and the man went, didn't they? And they took it. God gives, but people don't receive uh, those first people. They go and they take. And the result is that selfishness, and greed, and anger, and violence, things that we might call sin, into the world. But God, in his extraordinary generosity, doesn't give up on people. You would think at that moment that God would be well within his rights, and probably most of us, if we were God in that moment, would have gone, well, that didn't work. You know, these people are no good. We'll clean slate and start again. But God doesn't give up on people. He continues to pursue people. He continues to pursue his creation with love and generosity. This generous God doesn't give up on his people and he keeps pursuing them even though they keep walking away from him. People continue to reject God's gift. People continue to take and to steal and to hoard from themselves. And this pattern of God pursuing people, God being generous and pouring out his love and his goodness and his grace on people and people rejecting that and going their own way and taking and stealing and, and, and fighting and violence. That pattern repeats for the entire Old Testament of our Bibles. And if you could sum up the Old Testament part of your Bible in a, in a story, that would be it. It's like, a, it's like a playlist on repeat on Spotify. It's just the same songs, the same story goes around and around and again and again and again it's a constant story of god giving and people rejecting the god that gift uh, the gift that god gives and rather taking and stealing and grabbing for themselves and then the story changes because god in the act of Ultimate generosity gives his own son. That's the flip in our Bibles. That's, that's the flip from what we call the Old Testament, the old way things were done, to the New Testament. And some of you will know this, this, this famous verse, John 3, 16. We you know, hold it up at football games or whatever, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, friends. Jesus is a gift. Did you know that? Jesus is the ultimate gift from a loving God to his creation. It's it's an unbelievable gift from an unbelievably generous God. We didn't deserve it, we certainly didn't earn it. But God gave his son. And and, and then if, if that wasn't enough, then Jesus gives his own life, sacrifices himself on a cross and through the death and the resurrection of God, God gives us again, this extraordinarily generous God gives us life and hope, eternal life and eternal hope. That's the story of the Bible. That's that's the story of the Christian faith. And it begins with an extraordinarily generous God. The good news of Christianity, sometimes we call it the gospel, the good news of of, of Christianity is that there is a generous God who loves us, who loves his creation so much that he will not give up on us, that he would give his only son after having given and given and given and given, that he would give the most precious thing he has, his own son, that he would give his own son, that we could have eternal life with him. (coughs) This is where Christian giving comes from. It begins with the generosity of God. It begins begins by understanding that our God is is kind of his foundational character is to be extraordinarily generous. And if you've got a picture of God that is not incredibly generous, you've you've not got a picture of the God that Jesus talked about. You've not got a picture of God that that the Bible sort of shapes for us from literally the very first pages to the last. Our God is a generous God. And our giving, the giving that happens within the church, is is just a reflection, if you like, of the generous God that we serve and that we worship. Our giving is just a small gift back to God for the extraordinary gift and gifts that he's given to us. Does that make sense? We're generous to others because God has been incredibly generous to us. If you want to understand why we give in church, you need to understand who God is. You need to understand the incredible generosity of God. Listen to the way that Paul talks about giving when he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. This happens about 30 years after the resurrection. There are these, these little um, sort of churches. They're not in buildings. They're nothing like that. These little, these little collections of Christians are, are bobbing up in cities all over the then known world as the good news and the message And the truth of the resurrection of Jesus is spreading. And one of these churches pops up and Paul writes a letter to this church to talk to them about giving. Paul has started this church. He's been away for a while. He's coming back to this church and he wants this church or he's previously arranged. The details are a bit sketchy. This church is going to make a donation, a financial donation that Paul's going to come and collect so that he can take it to another church that's really struggling. And so he writes this letter ahead of his visit to come and, uh, and to collect the money that they've donated. Listen to what he says. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you beforehand and make arrangements for the bountiful gift you've promised. This way your gift will be prepared generously and not begrudgingly. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he's decided to give in his heart, what he's decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you've been around churches for a while, you might have heard those verses because those verses get used a lot when we talk about giving. I think they're kind of classic giving verses. You share those verses and then you talk about how we should be generous and about how we should, uh, we should not give sort of begrudgingly, You know, we should give generously and give with a, with a positive attitude. And often we stop there. But really, you need to keep reading. Listen to the next verses uh, that Paul writes. Listen to the rest of what he writes. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food you know, he is talking about God, right? So he, talking about God, but he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us, your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. He goes on to talk a bit more about that. Uh, read it in your own time, but just jump down to Verse 14. And their prayers for you, now this is now talking about the people who are going to receive the gift, but their prayers for you will express their affection for you because of the surpassing grace God's given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Can you see the link there between the nature of God, the generosity of God and our giving the generosity of people? He supplies all our needs. And then our giving demonstrates the surpassing grace that God's given us. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul isn't talking about how amazing the Corinthians are. He's talking about how amazing God is. Can you hear that? Thank God for his indescribable gift. He's there to collect money from the Corinthians that's going to bless another church. But he's saying it really comes from the incredible gifts that God gives us. The generosity that you're going to display for this other church are actually going to be a sign. They're going to be a symbol. They're going to point toward the generosity of God. Well, thank God for what he's done. Thank God for his indescribable gift. Thank God for who he is. Our giving begins with an understanding that God is an incredibly generous God and that he has given us literally everything. That's what the creation story is. It's like before that it was void. It was empty and nothingness until God spoke and began to give. Literally everything that we have is a gift from God. Our giving is an expression of the gratitude that we have for the abundance that God's given us. That's why Christians give. We're not fundraising to pay bills. We're not proving that we're good people. We're not even even proving how much we love God we acknowledge that god is an incredibly generous god that he's given us everything and our and our giving is simply an act of returning something back to god It's a bit like if you get invited to someone's house for dinner, maybe a a, a really nice dinner, you would often take something to give to the host, wouldn't you? Maybe a bottle to drink or something like that. Now You you know that what you're taking is nothing compared to the dinner, you know, the time and the effort and the money that that your host has put on, right? You're not taking the bottle to say, well, now we're even, you know, you've been cooking all day and and you've put on three courses and I've bought a bottle. You take that as as a token of your gratitude for their generosity, don't you? You see, he's just kind of a little something to sort of thank you for the night that's about to happen. When we give in church, it's that, it, it's that same kind of attitude. It recognises that God is the giver of everything, that he's set the whole thing up, is that, is that everything, everything that happens is because of his generosity and abundance. And we just want to give a little bit back just to recognise that. That's why for thousands of years, Christians have been givers. That's why for thousands of years, churches have had some sort of a plan for giving, some kind of way that they organise giving in the church. So let me get practical for a few moments and talk about, so what's the plan for giving at this church, at Tide Church? Well, those who know the way that we work here will know that the plan here is pretty simple because um, we're pretty simple people and we like to keep things as simple as we can. But we want to encourage people to give. We want to encourage people to give in response to what God has given you. And, and we want to encourage people to give, um, to give first and to give a percentage. Listen, this, listen to the way Paul explains it. Now, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Right? So Paul's writing to the Corinthians, but he's saying, you know, basically he's saying, this is the message that I give to all the churches, right? I told this church in Galatia about it, I'm now telling you about it. I'm going to tell all the churches the same kind of message when it comes to giving. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul says, "Give on the first day of the week." In other words, give first and spend second. Right? That's what giving on the first day of the week means. Don't do that thing where you where you spend and then you get to the end of the week and you go, "Oh heck, I really wanted to give, but now look, this is this is kind of all I've got left." He's like, uh, he's saying the the way to give sort of stress free is to give first and then go crazy, spend the rest. Give first, and then he says. Give a percentage. Well, the words he uses are set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. In other words, you give proportionally to, you give in percentage to your income. Now, this is the part where you think oh, I should have paid more attention in maths at school because they're starting to talk about percentages. But but simply it means the more you earn, the more you give, the less you earn, the less you give. And of course, the question is, well, what percentage, what amount? And I mean, traditionally, over thousands of years uh, in, in, in Christian history, the traditional amount is 10% or is a tithe. So in other words, that you give 10% of what you earn back to God, back to the church. The, uh, the, the, the Bible, when you read it, it talks about a tithe, um, which, is old, which is old language for a tenth. But I want to say as clearly as I can, if that freaks you out, right, and it does for some people, they think, wow, wow, You know, you start doing the maths and you think, wow, 10%, that's kind of a lot. You know, like if I earn $1,000, that's $100. If I earn $2,000, that's going to be a lot of money uh, over time. I I want to say this. If 10% freaks you out, that's okay. But pick a percentage. If you pick 5%, if you pick 2%, pick a percentage because there's something really powerful about linking what you give to what you earn. It means that if you earn more, you give a little more. If you start to earn less, you give less. It means that for some of our, our teenagers or young adults or for some of our part-time people, you might only be giving a few dollars. But it also means that when, that when an abundance comes your way, when you get a big pay rise or a bonus or something like that, you don't have to think about, well, what do I need to do with, gift, with this? Because you've pre-decided to give a percentage of that to God. Does that make sense? And that's what removes the stress and the uneasiness and the awkwardness about what do I give. Because you've pre-decided. You just know that, you know, whatever the percentage is, you calculate it out or if you can't do it in your head, you have to be like, you know, to the cent about it. But, you know, you've got an idea and say, well, this much has come in. My pay's increased to this. I've got a new job and it's now this. So this is what my giving is. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to get to the end of the week and start fossicking around in your, in your wallet or, you know, checking your online account and going, well, what can I afford to give? Because you've pre-decided to give and you give first. This way, Paul says, your gift will be prepared generously and not begrudgingly. Give first and give in line with your income. I've had times in my life where my income's gone up and I've given more. I've had times in my life when my income's gone down and I've given less. And in both those, I haven't stressed about that. You don't need to stress that, well, look, my income's gone down, so I'm giving less. You've pre-decided what you're going to give. One last thing I want to say about this. I want to echo the words uh, that Paul speaks in two Corinthians nine seven when he says, "Each one of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart, and not to give out of regret or compulsion." What Paul's saying is, don't ever give because of guilt. And like I said, I know, I'm like I've met people, I've talked to people, like I don't want to go to church because they're just going to, you know, make me feel guilty. That certainly at this church, that is absolutely. Not the intention. And I want to say as clearly as I can if you're not in a place in your life yet where you can, you know, generously and excitedly give out of what God's given to you, don't give. Honestly, don't give. Don't give anything if you're not yet in a place where you can do that and feel really, uh, not just kind of, oh, you know, that's what begrudgingly means, right? Here you go, right? Don't give like that. If you're not in a place, place yet where out of your heart you can say God you've been so generous to me I'm you know you don't walk into someone's home and go here's a bottle of wine for the meal you know you go look (laughs) well well, don't come to my house and do that anyway you know you come in and go look we we bought this you know I really like this I, I, I want you to have this if you can't give with that kind of attitude don't give at all but we don't want to pressure people. It's why we don't take up an offering. In the, I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church where there was an offering time and 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 church stopped and someone handed around a, a plate or a... In fact, in the church I grew up, there were these little weird velvet bags with funny handles on them. I've never seen them anywhere else in church, right? <laughs> so giving might seem weird to some people. I mean, I'm sure you... I know I've had people in my life um, who've said to me and people who've said to me, you know with the best of intentions why would you give to the church why would you give that much to the church I mean it's fine to give you know if you're walking through Rundle Mall and and you see a a homeless lady or someone you know you give them you know whatever loose change is in your pocket that's okay and maybe if you've got a friend who's going to run the city bay or do something like that and they're going to do it for a charity you know you know you might dig deep and and, and transfer them twenty dollars or something like that. You know, you can do that as a once-off. But real, like, but ten percent. I mean, even five percent. I mean, you do the maths. Like for, for for anyone earning even a you know even a modest kind of income, you look at five percent of your of your modest income, and you're going, wow, it, it's it's thousands of dollars over a year. Think think of what I could do with with, with all of that money. Why would you give to the church? You, you could literally take an overseas for some of us. For some of us, you could literally take an overseas holiday on what you donate to the church uh, over a year. That's weird, you know. To some people, that's weird. Why? Why would you give up an overseas holiday to donate donate to the church? Why would you do that? But did you know that? history, not just Christian history, that world history has been changed by the generosity of Christian people responding to their generous God. There are hospitals and schools and universities that only exist because a Christian person compelled by the generosity and the grace of God in their life has donated to make those things happen. Did you know that? It's true. In fact, Adelaide University here in Adelaide only exists because a Christian man uh, made a $20,000 donation, which, you know, back 100 years ago was a massive amount of money. That's what kick-started the university. There are hospitals and there are charities, but it's not just big things like that. And some of you will know, because we're involved in it in this church, some of you will know that there are families in the streets right around here who get bread delivered to them each week because someone out of their generosity gives. There are single mothers escaping domestic violence who've now got their kitchen set up and can cook food for their own family because people in this church have generously donated, have given them literally pots and pans and measuring cups and serving spoons to people they don't even know to people they won't ever meet, to people who will never say thank you to them, to people who will never give back to them. Why would you do that? History is full of lives that have been changed because Christians have given, because Christians have responded to an extraordinarily generous God and have said, I want to give just a little bit back. when you give into this church or in any church but certainly I you know I'm speaking for this church when you give into this church you're not just paying for the lights to go on and for the free tea and coffee <laughs> you know it's not about that it's about joining a 2000 year old mission to bring the love of god to a to a hopeless and hurting world that's why we give that's why Christians do this weird thing we call giving